0: Hello, everyone. How you doing this morning? So I uh, want to build off the coffee talk we had yesterday. I had a lot of fun. Uh, I am trying to figure out the best way to initiate these live streams and get an audience. So yesterday you saw I tried to schedule an event and then uh, because I'm a technology idiot, could figure out where the start now or the go or the whatever button is for YouTube live scheduled events. So that was a big fail. Yesterday I sent out a note um, via Facebook and I think LinkedIn, trying to see how many folks we can get on board, uh, you know, committing to a 7 a.m. start. Uh, today I did something different. I just sent it out to my YouTube subscribers via the community page, uh, and I think that was it. So we'll see. We'll see where this goes. Um, you know, we'll see if anybody joins. Otherwise, we will just record it and uh, and we'll just have a good time. So. With that said, uh, I have a bunch of topics. Uh, I did get one um, email from a student, kind of asking a question. Uh, so I'll give, I'll do a few things, and then we'll get into that one, just in case uh, he joins a little late. Uh, so first off, uh, like I'm starting to do a lot of my presentations, uh, I am going to start with an uncomfortable truth. Uh, I think real estate investing has lots of these, and and more and more are I'm discovering more and more of them all the time. So. Today's uncomfortable truth to talk about is vanity metrics. This this is uh, an interesting topic for me because I failed to realize it until very, very, very recently. We're talking like 60 days ago was the first time I realized that I was making uh, an error. So again, real estate investing and real estate in general as an owner has lots and lots of vanity metrics. Uh, The one that I was falling into was unit count. Uh, If you had followed me for any length of time, you know that even in my goals, right, for this year, I had unit counts. Uh, I don't remember them exactly, but it was probably add 10 units or maybe add 15 units uh, to the portfolio. And, well, again, I had always thought in units, heck, the name of my book is One Rental at a Time. So I'd always thought quantity. Uh, And, again, that's still a right goal and still about getting the next asset. But you shouldn't be thinking about unit counts. And and where this really struck me is I started interviewing more and more um, syndicators, both general partners and limited partners. And then I kept going to meetups. And I was talking to more and more people talking about having thousands of units. And I'm like, wow, I mean, it took us forever to get to nearly 200. I mean, what are you guys doing? And you go ahead and you scratch that a little bit. And in most cases, they are LPs in in units that they've never seen, never been to, and um, you know they're they're counting the entire portfolio where maybe they own three, four, eight, nine percent, right? Whatever that is. I never I never asked, but it, I, I remember thinking in my head, "Wow, we're we're real estate investors, and, and we're so proud to talk about units." And units don't pay the bills. And I think this is going to become very apparent. As, as anybody who's followed this channel for any length of time, you, you know that I believe lots of syndications are going to blow up. And by blow up, I mean best case. They're going to tie up your money for, for five years longer than they promised. Uh, I believe lots of syndications are already underperforming. And... Uh, I think some of you are going to take haircuts because you have to get out uh, right when the when the blood is in the street. So um, it's not about unit counts, folks. It's about cash flow. So I, I do the best I can to, to do what I say. So you saw at the mid midpoint of the year, uh, I stopped talking unit counts as far as additions, and I started talking cash flow. And a cash flow for me is, <coughs> excuse me, always net net, right? Bottom line cash flow. So I, you know, I think that's what we should talk about now. If you're a buy and hold investor like me, and you've been doing this for less than five years, I appreciate that the first five years are hard, right? Your your numbers are probably in the hundreds, maybe in the thousands, but it's not really moving the needle. Uh, but that's okay. You can hustle in silence and and you know just keep plugging ahead. We don't we don't need to talk about. Uh, and share with everybody, you know, hey, we've got five this and six that or, or whatever. So uh, you're going to see me talk about cash flow uh, as best I can. I still get asked all the time how many units we have. So I answer the question. Uh, but then I talk about, you know, we own them all. It's not part of any LPs or GPs, uh, limited partners, general partners uh, of somebody else's syndication. So that is the, uh, the topic of the day. So what I thought I would do is I would just jump right into the question. I do have a bunch of other topics. As always, I will read the question um, for you so you're all on the same page with me, uh, and then we will go ahead and address this. So this is a student of mine, so you know he's a buy and hold investor, and he's uh, and he's really killing it. He's, he's actually, uh, Alex uh, is his name, uh, is actually corresponding with other students in the private Facebook group, which is so much fun to see, I and uh, Alex, I appreciate all of those comments and, and help you give others so here we go I'm a buy and hold investor I don't do flips or wholesaling or anything like that asset prices in general have risen much higher than rents in my area since 2011 yep right there with you. yields have dropped from 6% to less than 4% um, first up we all need to stand up and applaud Alex or right? he is doing exactly what I teach students to do Figure out what your market is producing. And this is how we build confidence. This is how you know how to take action. And it's also how you know when stuff's going crazy. Think about what Alex just said. Uh, where is it? Higher rents in the area since 2011. Yields have dropped from 6% to under 4 So he's saying the market used to produce 6%, which given that he's adding units, he was happy with. And I would be happy with, frankly. But now it's less than 4 And you're like, oh not not worth the risk so kudos to him and if you don't know how to do this you you need to join the course Uh, there is just too much cheap money sloshing around amen to that Uh, i can no longer make sense of prices motivated sellers have lots of offers on their plate before i get to them distressed houses are now selling for market value minus rehab costs giving me no sweat equity to make worth my while totally agree and some are not even giving you some of them are still overpaying Turnkey just isn't providing enough net ROI to warrant uh, locking up 25 to 30% of asset price. I get it. Decent investment properties have been bid up because of serviced accommodation. Airbnb craze. Yeah, see it all the time. It won't take much of an interest rate rise to wipe out free cash flow if I went and purchased something just to keep building up the portfolio. So that's paragraph number one. So first off, again, Alex, you're doing exactly... um, What I would hope all investors do is they're watching and participating in their market. Uh, If you've read our book, you know we got to this stage in our community. Um, I wasn't quite using yield yet, but the environment was the same. Too many people chasing too many things and prices were silly. Uh, So we hit the pause button. Now, again, I'm going to read the next paragraph in a minute, but just realize that hitting the pause button when you are informed and you know your market is producing less than 4% and you have experience knowing that that won't last forever, um, it is 100% okay to hit the pause button, but you have to keep looking because when it changes, it'll change overnight. And you'll see, you'll, you'll go from earning less than 4% to to earning 8% in, in what felt like the snap of the fingers. Right now, in reality, it could take 45 days or, or 90 days, but in the scheme of things, Once that dam breaks, it's like holding a balloon underwater, right? It wants to rise. And right now, I think in many markets, and it sounds like yours, there are lots of people holding a very, very inflated balloon underwater. And that balloon is eventually gonna is 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 eventually not gonna be underwater, if you know what I mean. So let me keep going. So I've stopped bidding and now watching, waiting, keeping on top of my market. Um stop bidding i'll be honest bugs me a little bit uh i get what you're saying you're basically saying everybody's bidding up and all of that maybe maybe instead of bidding uh maybe you make some phone calls or something i just think you have to know because what you're gonna what's gonna happen if you do that is you're gonna get early indications of something changes right when you're doing it today you're like nope you're 17th on the list you're so low it's not gonna happen but what you'll see over time when that balloon is starting to fight to get out Pretty soon you'll be, you know what? You're the second highest bidder. Or, yes, there's somebody ahead of you, but it's really shaky. Or you're just going to miss indicators that it's about to burst. Uh, So, again, I don't like the stop bidding. I certainly, I just don't like that, right? You have to stay in the market. And it sounds like you're okay not getting things, right? Just don't let it bother you. But And, again, you have to keep bidding because you need to see, hey, today I'm the 14th one. Which I am too in my market. I talked to one of my agents yesterday. It's like, uh, just for example, Alex, uh, there was a house listed for 119, 109 or 119. Let's say 119. And it was in a great area, great school systems. It was boarded up, one of those classic hoarder houses. Um, the individual had passed on. The kids got it. Kids wanted nothing to deal with it. They were going to sell it with junk included, if you know what I mean. So, you know, huge clean out, probably 10, 10, Containers full of stuff. Just nasty stuff But again in a great school district, so the dirt was worth 119 so uh, Knowing that fixed up this could go for 240 to 250. I bid 142 right? I so rarely bid over asking uh, That it's it's painful, but I did I, I knew it was worth 250 I knew that junk is junk right? It doesn't take a lot to get rid of so I bid 142 and I later found out, uh, because I have a relationship with the agent, uh, that the winning bid was over 190, right? And again, there was like 27 offers or something, and I was like in the bottom third. That's, you know, that doesn't feel good when you bid, I don't know, 15 or 14 grand over list or asking price uh, to feel like you're in the bottom third of offers, but that's okay. You got to keep doing that because in six months on a similar transaction, I'm... I maybe be in the top third, and I want to see that stuff coming. So that's what I think there. Uh, Going back to your letter, sorry, Uh, I can't buy at this level. I know what a good, or I'm sorry, I know what a bad, good, and great deal is. Awesome, I'm very proud of you. I'm happy. I wish I wish all investors did that. What can I do to move the needle while it's waiting for the single family market to correct? Uh, I don't really want to invest anywhere else geographically at the moment because I have such a good team set up now, management, contractors, etc. Should I start looking at retail, commercial? Mortgages seem so expensive for those assets. It sucks up any cash flow of the deals. Land is crazy expensive because people think they can build residential housing on there and retire early. I don't mind sitting building reserves, but if I could be productive today, then it would be great. All right. So a couple of things. So first off, we've already covered the stay engaged, um, even though you're feeling frustrated, totally get it. Uh, maybe you maybe write up half as many offers and, and the other ones you you call agents and just see where you're at. Because again, I think that I think this balloon's going to fight to get out of water sooner rather than later, and you want to see it coming. The other thing you could do that I don't see here is it, it may make sense, and I'm looking at this now myself. Rates have gotten so low; um, I may want to just go back and refi some of that old debt. And now you know I'm very conservative, and I'm not, I'm not talking about taking cash out. I think that's often a mistake. But if I can recast the debt, uh, you know, take the interest rate from six to four. And, you know, I, I, I would actually even look at in some of my units, given the LTVs I have, in taking the mortgage to 15-year, right? Think about that, right? Lower, lower the interest rate, take the term and cut it in half um, because, again, you know, my, my uh, mortgage expense may be nearly the same. And I could save seven, eight years of, of mortgage payments. Again, something you could do in a market like this because the money is awash uh, around, or slashing around the world, in your to use your term is um, I might look to recast debt that way I keep I keep positively moving forward as I keep looking at the market. The other thing I would do is I would um, I would start looking at other assets. Uh, I don't know that I would go so different, right? I don't think I would go residential and look at gas stations or something with just entirely different liabilities and things of that nature. But I might look at office buildings, uh, small office, small retail shops, uh, just just to, to see what's out there. For us, the one move we did, uh, and I've documented in the book, was we went from houses to small apartments. Now, that won't work today in most markets because everybody thinks bigger is better, I understand. Uh, but often there are, are parts of the market that are getting less attention. Um, so I would just look at that. Uh, and again, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, my market is is whatever the opposite of not on sale is, and I'm going to keep stacking paper. Right, stacking cash, right? Because again, I really do believe there are lots of people with the hands on the balloon holding it underwater and um, It is going to get crazy uh, as for the Airbnb thing. Yeah, I think I think it's um, It's an interesting model and it works in certain locales for sure. No question. I've, I've leveraged Airbnb on my travel So I get it. Uh, I do think there is legislation and things of that nature coming uh, that is going to make that an interesting model uh, because I think the costs are going to go up. So, in the end, Alex, I applaud you for knowing your market's not on sale. Uh, I would caution you to keep engaged because you just never know. It's gonna it, when it changes, it changes overnight. Uh, and um, I would I would add another asset class, um, something close to your experience, so you can still leverage your team, right? A- and I agree with not changing geographically. Uh, I actually spent probably five grand in total looking at other markets back in 08. Um and it all came down to that. I had the team. I had the experience. I wasn't going to go learn another market. It's just not who I am. I don't want to complicate my life. So I, I, totally get it. So, Alex, I hope that makes sense. Um, if I missed anything in your in your uh, note, let me know. Uh, but I think I think that's um, that's how I would tackle that. Okay. So other topics uh, I want to talk about. One that I've seen more and more is rent control. Rent control is um, is interesting. You're welcome, Alex. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the note or text or message, I guess, message. Uh, let's talk about rent control. Um, I've seen a lot on this recently. So I'm in California. Uh, I think there's every indication that California is going to pass rent control, um, probably similar to what Oregon did, um, probably here in the next month or so, right? I think I think the, the house needs to pass it, and then good old Gavin Newsom's going to sign it. Um, so in general, I don't think rent control is bad. Uh, if you followed my story at all, you know, I came from very, very humble beginnings. Uh, so I am, and I service, um, you know, folks of, of modest means. Uh, so I am for rent control that makes sense. Uh, I do, when in doubt, I default to the tenant side, um, you know, in in general, in most cases, uh, although I have to say, I just read, Something about some emergency rent control in New York. And this is the first time I've seen someplace go too far. So realize it's one article I read. It could totally, totally be fake news. I don't know. I didn't validate the source. I read it this morning, so I didn't have time to validate it. But in general, New York for the first time um, has taken rent control too far. So as I understood the emergency order, this is basically what it said. Uh, so basically, uh, in today's world, uh, so I think there were three changes. The first one, um, I don't know, it, it's fine. Basically, I guess the old rule in New York was, if the tenant didn't pay, and you as the landlord went up and talked to the tenant and said, "Hey, where's my rent?" That counted as a um, legal notice to pay. Right, the clock started. Um, what they what they have since done is basically said. Um, that's not enough. You need to have a legal notice posted, which makes sense. I mean, that's how it works in California. You can't just say it. So I think that kind of makes sense. Um, It now does add cost to the landlord, right? Because you're going to have to get a firm or a runner or somebody to do the legal posting. Uh, So that is added cost for the New York landlords, which I'm sure they're not happy about. Um, But again, I don't think that I don't think that's unfair, right? Who's to say a conversation this or that, or he said, she said? So I think a legal notice that's auditable and trackable, and you can take a picture of, and all of that, I think, makes perfect sense. This is where it kind of gets wonky, though. Um, if I again, I read one article, but the second change was um, it seemed like tenants no longer had to pay late fees for some reason, right? If you if you if you're late, the clock starts, then you go to court. All you had to do was come in and pay your rent, right? That one month rent, let's just use, use $1,000. Um, there was no late fees. There's no accumulation. Uh, and you're good to go. If there's no penalty for being late, why does anybody pay their rent? I mean, that's so illogical to me. And I'm afraid what what is going to foster is what I call or what the industry calls professional tenants. So some landlords are going to have tenants that they're taking to court every month. If this if this rule or tweak to the rules is true, why, and frankly, why would anybody in New York pay their rent? I mean, think about that. If I don't have to pay my rent, or wait, so I have a rent due on the 1st. I don't pay it. So let's figure by the 15th, I've been notified and the clock has started. Then we go to court, figure that's two weeks later, maybe six weeks later. I have no idea how backed up the courts are, but they're about to be a lot more backed up. Then we go in, we have our we have our day in court, and, and then the judge says, sorry, tenant, you're at fault. Go ahead and pay your rent. And you go, okay, here, here's a thousand bucks. But I've just gotten six weeks free or eight weeks free or whatever that is, and there's no late fee. That's crazy. Here's here's where it really gets really goes too far. No longer can the landlord charge the tenant the attorney fees. What? <laughs> I mean, so I don't have a late fee and I don't have to pay the other legal fees. Again, I go back to why the heck would anybody in New York pay their rent? I don't get it. I mean, that's that's too far. And again, I am on the tenant side. Uh, but as a landlord, you need that. Your mortgage still has to be paid on the first. Your water bill still has to be paid. Your electricity, all these things you have to do still has to be paid, right? Nobody's going to give you a notice. Uh, so I think that's the first example of rent control that I've read recently going too far, right? There's no penalties, no late fees, no accumulation of uh, legal fees. That's um, frankly, that's frightening. If that ever happened in California, over, right? People people would be selling like crazy. So that's that's uh, that's New York for you. Um, I will not be investing in New York for sure. <laughs> um, then I got a notice on Sacramento, right? Seem, so first off, California is enacting rent control, near as I can tell, uh, but also some districts, in this case, Sacramento is in in adding um, more restriction as well. Uh, so a couple of things I read about Sacramento is they're capping rent increases. Uh, basically, it's a maximum of 6% plus um, basically West Coast inflation or CPI or whatever it is, but they're maxing it at 10%. Um, which, again, as a, as a raw number doesn't make sense, right? The highest, I think, the, in the article, I've it's been 2.9, so uh, you could raise it 8.9%. But if inflation takes off in the future, um, you know, 10% may not be enough. But in the end, uh, you should be running your operation. Um, basically, what rent control means to me is, as a landlord, you need to be raising rents every year. Uh, I'm on record as saying that in the past, uh, without rent control, I would go uh, every other year for tenants. Um, but now, rent control basically says, landlords, you are supposed to raise rents every year, so that's going to happen. So, once again, legislation from folks who um, don't own don't own the asset is is going to hurt the people they're trying to help. So uh, that's interesting. The other tweak that I saw in the Sacramento rent control was. Um, they're basically going after uh, new landlords who are buying old buildings, right? In the past, if, if you know, mom and pop were running a shop and they wanted to sell it or heaven forbid they passed on and their kids sold it because they don't want to be landlords, the new buyer would come in with tenants already there, right? Let's just say in that environment, it's $1,000 rent, but they're paying under market. Let's say they're paying 500 and the building is rough, right? Not been maintained. Um, and the tenants are generally happy, right? Because they bring $500 and $1,000 market. So they're not calling the landlord for leaky this and broken that, right? So that's what's happening. But now a new landlord comes in and they want to invest capital. They want to bring the asset up to current market and they want to get a $1,000 rent. Today, uh, if the tenant's been there less than a year, you can give a 30-day notice to vacate. Uh, or if they've been there more than a year, you have to give a 60-day notice to vacate, um, which is fine. What I'm seeing now in the Sacramento rules is uh, if you're going to be doing a major remodel like that. Now, they didn't list out what the remodel was. They just said major remodel. Um, so there could be rules inside that, but who knows? Uh, you have to give a 120-day notice, right, or four months. So again, all this just has all this needs, just needs to be calculated into your things and, and managed. And, um, you know, I... Again, I'm not. I'm not so heartbroken about that. As long as the rules are the same, and, and if you're going to be buying an asset that's trashed like that, um, as long as you can get tenants out, um, because again, right, doing a full remodel with somebody living there is not not easy to do. Um, so, you know, is four months unheard of? No, I I don't think so. What I've liked it to be maybe three months. Yeah, I think ninety days would have made sense, but. If four months is the rules. Four months of the rules. So, uh, new landlords just have to have to bring come in, and, and that's that's carrying costs, right? If you're coming into this with hard money or private money, you're going to have four months of carrying costs before you can do anything. That's expensive. Uh, so that's just going to mean less and less people are taking on these slumlord projects. Uh, and um, frankly, that's good for me because uh, I can have the capital, the carrying costs. It's fine. But again, I think. I think in general, uh, I think in general, rent. Let me just give my general opinion about rent control. Um, I think in general, rent control hurts the people that's trying to help. We are trying to solve a affordability housing problem by attacking existing housing stock. That is, that is so backwards. It is, it is comical. If we already have not enough housing, and then you put restrictions on existing housing, you're not attacking the problem. I can only speak to the area I'm in, and that's California. But I think in general this applies. We have a ha- we have a unit problem, right? We don't have enough units of affordable housing. <coughs> so, frankly, why is that? Well, it's because trans because the high priced areas are where all the jobs are. It's already built up or there's just not enough land left. So we need to be working on transportation measures because if in California, the Silicon Valley, right? If you go 90 minutes by car away from, say, San Francisco, there's lots of land. But the problem is nobody wants to spend or nobody should spend three hours a day in their car, right? And 90 minutes in the morning, 90 minutes in the afternoon, getting to and from work. So instead, why don't we work on this silly high-speed train that you know Gavin Newsom canceled and be able to get to San Francisco in 45 minutes? And then we could build all kinds of stuff, right? California could be Texas, meaning we have so much land in California that's not built on, but it's just not easy to get to. So why don't we go attack the transportation problem, put all kinds of affordable housing out there, and frankly, the Bay Area would get cheaper. Right, people who live here now, we would gladly move out to other areas if we could uh, and get the same quality of life and bigger house and all of that. So, I don't like rent control uh, in general uh, because it it attacks a a quantity problem where we should incent building. And I think in California at least we have a transportation problem. That's that's the real rub of all this in California. We have we it's high legislation and high costs and all of that, but that. It all starts with we don't have a trans we don't have transportation that can get people to and from the high priced areas at income levels easily. That's our problem. We rely too much on our cars. Our freeways are already too burdened, and um, you know that's my feeling about rent control. Uh, the other thing about rent control, I think, is interesting. Is it seems like every time legislation is passed, landlords are asked to pay, right? Um, You know, I think I pay 50 bucks per inspection per unit. I think in in the New York case, it was 20 bucks. I I, I just wonder what would happen if rent control forced tenants to pay five bucks, right? Or the heck, they paid 20 bucks or 50 bucks. And maybe they got their money back if the inspection was flawless, right? If you were cleaning your house and there were no broken things, I wonder what would happen then. I just wonder why did I think it's, it's, malicious to think, just generally speaking, that landlords have deep pockets. I can tell you lots of landlords are running their operations in the red. And um, adding more costs to that is is getting them one step closer to getting out of the business, which again, hurts tenants. So uh, I don't think that'll ever happen, right? Legislation likes to get lots of votes and tenants vote. Uh, so I don't see them passing legislations where tenants paid the fees. But you know, in the end, they're going to pay one way or another, and i, I was just thinking about that. Uh, so the other thing I want to talk about is uh, I have a book report challenge, right for kids. Uh, it's not very well participated in, and I'm giving away a hundred bucks for uh, winning book reports. So do me a favor. L- let me know what you how to how to do this better. I really believe if we can get kids, you know, college and younger. Uh, to read this book and and then start having conversations with their parents, we could help the next generation, right? When I was growing up, um, nobody talked to me about this. I thought the right answer was go to school, get a good job, make a lot of money and be happy. Um, as opposed to say, you know, live below your means, earn a good living, save, 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 invest. Um, so what I've done is I think I've had somewhere around 10 to 15 kids read the book and write a report, which is awesome. Uh, but I'm wondering what we could do to increase that uh, I, I don't know I'd love to get ideas put comments um, you know s- send me notes if you have my email uh, but I am curious how we could how we could uh, spark that up I did do a summer challenge which is almost over uh, so we'll we'll see what happens there uh, and then the last thing is the recession uh, I think you know there's some I think I think it's pretty clear and it's always hard to call recessions because they're always look back but I think we're in very tumultuous times, and this goes back to the note uh, for Alex. I think there's lots of people trying to hold this economy together, and I think it's, I think it's, it's fighting hard to, to break apart. I think manufacturing's in trouble. I think this thing with our farmers is is interesting. Uh, I think I think a lot of the consumer based. Uh, economies or um, companies like Disney and Uber, uh, which I talked about earlier in the week are flashing at least yellow if not red flags. So um, pay attention. pay attention. it's it's um, it's going to be interesting times I think between now and the end of the year um, because again, I don't think anybody will officially call a recession probably until March or April of next year. Um, but shoot by then we could be out of it already. So uh, just pay attention. I think it's I think it's going to get interesting, and uh, in all of that. So, in the end, I want to thank all of you for watching this coffee talk. If you have any ideas on how we can get more and more folks watching, I would really appreciate it. Uh, I'm not a technology wizard. Uh, I do schedule these uh, the last couple at least 24 hours in advance uh, because my time uh, you know books up sometimes. Uh, but I, I'd love to hear what you have to say. So let me know. Take care, and of course, have a great day.